Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick. Back to the Triple S podcast. I'm joined today by my boy what Mac up, Morrison. What up? What up? How's it going, dog? I'm good. I'm good, man. Nice, man. Chilling, kicking Chillin'. it. Chilling. So we're both working from home today, which is pretty cool. I mean, working from home. But uh, let's just hope our bosses don't see that part. Uh, but I wanted to get you in because you're a, a big f- a figure in the basketball community. You played at Ottawa U, uh, and I think you have a pretty interesting story that I think a lot of people would uh, would like to hear. So let's take it right to the beginning. I did a little bit of homework, a little bit of research <laughs> okay. on your boy, and uh, I saw that you started off actually as a baseball player, so how yeah. did that come to be? So, growing up in my family, kind of, the sport that was most prominent was baseball. My sister played softball, mm-hmm. my dad played baseball, so it's kind of one of those things growing up when you're finding your way, you always kind of go with the sport that's around you the most, yeah. you know, well, everyone plays. Your parents put you Yeah, in. well, like, you play, everyone, every kid plays soccer at the yeah. beginning, like, it's, yeah. See if it works out. Is it good? It's good. No, you don't like it. Whatever. Stop. But baseball was kind of that first thing where so my dad played. Growing up, your dad's always your idol. I was like, I want to be just like my dad. Got into baseball. Played yeah. baseball till I think it was fifth grade. And okay. that's kind of when it stopped. And were you playing any other sports at the time? Or was it like you started out just baseball? Uh, it was just baseball in terms of like club. Like I played rep baseball. And I, I played like sports at school and okay. stuff like that. But yeah. like it's elementary school, it doesn't really mean anything. Yeah. So it was kind of, yeah, just playing baseball. That was my only, like, rep sport at the time. Okay, nice. And what was it, what, so you said you stopped in grade five. What was the reason yeah. for that? It's actually a very interesting story. So my dad was actually the coach of the team. Mm-hmm. And one of the other kids' sons, like, their dad was the coach of the team. And I played a fair amount. I was arguably best or second best player on the team. His son played the same position as me, but was not very good. Okay. So the coach openly said to me, the assist, well, the assistant coach, I guess, the only reason that I'm getting playing time is because my dad is the coach. But I'm in fifth grade, fam. Is he not a coach? <laughs> He's a coach and he wants his kid. Yeah. But so, I'm in the fifth grade. I'm not putting two and two together. I hear yeah. that. And then at the moment I heard that, I quit on the spot. Like, we were at, uh, like, I guess, Ontario's. Mm-hmm. And... It was a uh, round rob, like everyone played everyone type of thing. We had lost our first game. We still had two more games to play, and I told my dad, I was like, I'm quitting right here. And my dad's like, all right, um, let's go. My dad took me and left. He left too. Yeah, he's like, we're not yeah. taking that kind of ish, yeah. to say the least. Yeah. Yo, but that's crazy just because, like, I find it so <laughs> ironic. If I if I was a coach and I had a son on the team who wasn't getting playing time, how, how do you go to a kid? You're an adult. You go to a grade five kid and you say, the only reason you're getting playing time is because your dad's a coach. Well, dumbass, you're a coach too, and your son's not getting PT. Yeah. So there's a common denominator, and it's the, your dad being a coach. That just means your your son is trash. Yeah. Trust me, it was. That's crazy. As a fifth grader, it kind of like it, it rattled me. I was because like you don't want like you start thinking that is that the real reason yeah. you're playing because this is a grown up. You're a child. They should know better. They should act more mature. Yeah. So I was like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I, no done right there <laughs> man and it just like that almost makes me mad like the fact that a parent and adult who's supposed to be there to to help kids along yep. and to guide you through your baseball experience was able to have the complete inverse uh, effect and he actually made you quit on the yeah. spot like that to me is i mean as a coach like I, I personally coach that kind of thing to me like it just makes me feel like so cringy and like yeah. how, how could an adult put a kid in that position so. and it's even crazier because like it's not like we're in the majors it's not like no. you're at the age where you're trying to you're making the decision is baseball the sport i'm going to take seriously exactly. for the rest of my life kind of thing like you're still dabbling in other sports exactly. so it's like at this point i i hate saying because like sports are competitive the goal is to win but at that age you also focusing more on fun exactly yeah. having an adult that takes it that seriously and you're in the fifth grade it's it takes the fun out of yeah it, it ruined so. it ruined baseball for me do you do you still uh, keep in touch with that kid or like or the dad? Not like keep in touch, but do you still like have them on Facebook and like see how they're doing? Kind of uh, thing? no, because no? face, Facebook wasn't really a thing like okay, at that age, much. and then yeah. I kind of distanced myself yeah. as soon as I quit. I was like, I didn't really talk to anyone on the team anymore. Probably better off that way too. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> that's me. rough. Yeah. So when you stopped playing baseball, you did you kind of dive right into basketball, or was there other sports at the same time? How did the 
How was the process post-baseball era? Uh, so it came down to I quit baseball and I knew I needed to play sports. Sports my thing. Mm-hmm. And <clears throat> I actually wanted to play hockey. Okay. I was like, never played hockey. I've never played hockey in my life, like to this day, unless it's like pickup uh, pick hockey. Yeah. And I asked my dad, and my dad has always been a firm believer in you can play whatever sport you want. I asked to play hockey. He said, no. I was like, why not? He's like, he told me there was two reasons. One, yeah, <laughs> it's dumb expensive. Ooh. And he's like, you'll get good and it's only going to get exponentially more expensive mm-hmm. as you get good. Mm-hmm. And then he's like, on top of that, when he was growing up, his family forced him to play hockey mm. and he hated it. So it's kind of like, if I really like was like saying that's the only thing I wanted to do, he would have yeah. let me. But he's like, make sure you think it through and kind of go from there. And then I stumbled across basketball. I was always tall for my age. Like, that's a thing. Like, I didn't hit a growth spurt and, like, was short, 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 then tall. Like, I've always been tall. Mm -hmm. So I just went into basketball and fell in love with the sport, to say the least. Nice. So you started, what was it, writing grade five or grade six? Uh, Grade five. Okay. Yeah. And you, at that point, like, how, which, in what capacity did you start playing basketball? Was it through the school or through, like, GCBA or selects? Uh, like how did you start? Out? So I joined the like Barry club team, like the okay, OBA yeah. team. So I'm forgetting it's you're all right. Yeah. My bad. I'm basically an Ottawa man's, but I'm not at the same time. So okay. yeah, so I started playing. It's called Barry Royals, and it's um, yeah, it's a t- uh, local club team in Barry, and just joined them. That's kind of what started basketball for me. Okay, and uh, you played with them until like a couple years, or yeah. So I played with them. Honestly, until summer going into ninth grade. Okay. And then that's kind of, that's like your breaking point going into high school is when you decide, are you going to mm-hmm. take basketball seriously? Is you going to try to get a scholarship, this, that, whatever? Yep. And I knew basketball was a sport I wanted to play. So I left the Barry Royals team and joined a club team in Vaughn called St. David. Mm-hmm. And at the time, they were the number one team in the province. Okay. So I joined that team made that team and that's also where I started playing AU as well so like AU traveling to the states going in tournaments there so that summer is my first summer like I went to Indiana I went to uh Rochester New York and I went to one other place I can't remember off the top of my head but that's like my first time traveling to the states and doing these big tournaments and kind of taking basketball seriously so I played with them till 10th grade 11th grade then joined CIA bounce which is the most kind of known Canadian team nice. from then is when playing with like Wiggins, playing with Tyler Ennis, yeah. all those guys. So, so I want to take it back just a touch before you get into that because that's crazy. <laughs> I didn't even know that. So, but I wanted to ask, <clears throat> excuse me, as someone who's also done something similar with football in terms of going down south to do camps and stuff like that and playing tournaments, uh, what was it like when you first went down south and played in those tournaments and saw the competition in terms of United States players? What was that like? Well, the first thing you notice is how seriously Americans take sports. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like that here. Like, even university is completely different. Like, the flip side is they, go to, they get a scholarship to school that pays 50 grand for the year, plus your books, plus this, plus that. Yeah. Us, we, we're lucky to get half a semester of tuition, yeah. and it's only, like, 4500 mm-hmm. So that right there, like, seeing that serious level that even they take when kids aren't even in high school yet, it's crazy. And then on top of that, just... The amount of support that teams get too versus like for us, even in like when we're home games, we get our parents and that's it. These kids have followings at ages 12, 13, 14. And it's like, it's crazy. How is this even a thing? And then the fact that they all think all the Canadian stereotypes are actually a thing. Like my first tournament, I got asked if I rode a polar bear to school. I lived in an igloo and like, Classic. but it's one of these things where like, you don't believe it's like these guys actually believe it, but they're dead ass when they're yeah. talking to you. Frig. It's absurd. Crazy, yeah. Man. So one of the things you said you would notice is how serious they take it. And that's definitely a factor. Like, and then when you think about the fact that when, the, when you play sports in the States, there's such a bigger market for it. And it's so much, it's so much easier to kind of blow <coughs> up pop and go to a bigger league. The biggest league in the in the in Canada for basketball is what CIS or is it? no? I we think have, there is a, le- a we have two a pro leagues now. But how, are they on par? Like, no, <laughs> no, they're so, awful. <laughs> okay, so tell what are the two leagues before you? So before you move on? well, our original league was the NBL, so the National Basketball League. Okay. 
that was our the first pro league in Canada, and that league is the league that's awful, I should say. The other league's not bad. That league is privately funded, so salary caps and stuff are all based on like what people put money. into it kind of thing. But the new league that actually started last summer is called the CEBL. Ottawa actually is getting a team this year, the Ottawa Jackrabbits or something like that. Yeah. The teams are weird. There's like the Hamilton Honey Badgers and yeah. But right the first year there were six teams and that's considered our like a pro A division. So it's FIBA certified and all stuff like that. And then that league's actually good. It only runs during the summer. I think it's like 20 games plus playoffs. But we had guys, like, all the guys that have declared for the draft that didn't make it kind of came back. Guys okay. that were playing G League came back. So, like, I don't know if you've heard of the name, like, Xavier Rathan Mays. He went to Florida State. He had a, I don't think so. No. He went to Florida State for two years, I think. He had some crazy games. Like, North Carolina had, like, 32 points in four minutes or something like that. Yeah, it was crazy. In four minutes? Yeah, yeah. I'll show you the highlights at four some point. Four minutes? Yeah, I'll show you the highlights at some point. It's crazy. Same thing. He played uh, Miami. Same okay. thing, like his team was down like 20 or something like that, and he ended up scoring 26 points in the last three minutes. Like, Jeez, but de- declared for the draft, played a couple games with Memphis, and then was bouncing around the G League. Like, he played in that league. Tyler Ennis played in that league. Dwayne Noted. Like, all these guys that everyone knows actually came back and played because mm-hmm. the league actually play- pays. It's okay. like, I think the best contract is 1500 a game, and you play f- minimum four games a month. So that's 6K a month. It's not play bad. basketball. It's not bad. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So we talked about that a little bit. I just wanted to to talk a little bit. So you talked about um, the guys like Tyler Innocent and playing with those kind of guys. Uh, what was that like? And you see their trajectory and and what they elevated to be. What was it like to be to look back and say, "Wow, like I was playing with Wiggins <laughs> and, and Ennis." Like, what is that like? So it's pretty crazy, actually. Especially like seeing them. Like Wiggins, you kind of always knew. Like, he blew up on the scene when he was 13, best 13-year-old in the country, da-da-da-da. Whatever, his hoop mixtape video got, like, 25 million views. So everyone kind of knew all that about Wiggins. But it was these other guys that, like, I personally had never heard of from Barry. Like, Tyler Ennis is the best example to me. Like, other than Wiggins, to me, Tyler Ennis is the best basketball player that I played with. Okay. Like, he's nice. Well, him or Jamal Murray. Like, those two guys, kind of. But, like, seeing those guys and seeing them develop is, like... Tyler Ennis was just this skinny, good, very, very good at basketball, but skinny, calm, like, I thought he was going to go mid-major, I didn't think he would land Syracuse, then when he landed Syracuse, I thought he was going to be very average at Syracuse, and he was killing it, got drafted, and it's like, that kind of happened with a lot of guys, and seeing guys too that you just don't expect, like, Anthony Bennett's another example, unfortunately, he's a bust in the league, but kind of the same thing, like, I met Bennett when I was 14 and I think he was 17 or 18 mm-hmm. and like I'm not thinking Canadian kids go into the league like that I and mean, he's the first overall pick yeah. and I'm like he played through the CIS CI bounce program That's I'm like this is the most wild thing ever and just all the players that did that like Jamal Murray is Jamal Murray's like my favorite example because me and him were roommates on road trips. Okay. So like that was like that was my guy, and I used to just roast him all the time. And now I'm he's like, like elite. Yeah. Oh yeah. Jeez. No, and it's it sucks too because he's like two or three years younger than me. So I used to just roast him like, ah, you have no what, you have no balance, this that whatever. <laughs> and then, like two months after I was roasting him, he was like showing me he's like, yeah, you're not the only one who could do between the legs anymore. You're not. I'm like, how'd you do this in like two months? And I'm like, you didn't even go to the States. So you didn't even get their protein or steroid jack chicken. Like you were eating the same Canadian food I was eating. How'd you get bounced so quickly? So, damn. So it's, it's really cool to hear stuff like that just because the landscape of the NBA. Now I feel like it's, it's being a lot more representative of Canadians. You know what I mean? Like there's, like you just said, Jamal Murray, Anthony Bennett, although he's a bust, but there's, like Stauskas is Canadian, I believe. Yeah. Right? There's a lot of Canadians that are in the league right now, and I feel like it does a lot of good for the sport in Canada in terms of kind of putting us on the map, 100%. showing showing people from down south, NBA and college coaches that, hey, listen, we have ballers up here. We can compete. Come take a look at us. Take us seriously. Yeah. Well, like that's the thing, right? And it also gives kids hope just in general, right? Like growing up, my basketball player to look at was Steve Nash. Like that was like the only Canadian everyone really knew yeah. about in the league, right? And then eventually we got Bennett, we got Wiggins, we got these guys. So now like kids from Brampton, all these GTA kids that played CIA Bounce are like, wow, I have a chance. Like he made it, why can't I type exactly. of thing. And now we have Chris Boucher from Montreal and 
legitimately, I think he started playing basketball when he was like 17, something like that, and went through the JUCO program, like went through JUCO, then went to Oregon and got drafted, like persevered, whatever. He just been, got drafted this year, right? Uh, no, he's been in the league for three years. Okay. He got drafted to Golden State. Okay. So he got a ring. <laughs> okay. But... Uh, like he's a he's a prime example too. Like he's from the trap in Montreal, had nothing, had to grind, played basketball, then made it to the league. Went through the toughest way to go to the league. Like going to JUCO is the most mental toughness thing ever because you're not supposed to make it out of JUCO, yeah. kind of thing. And he made it, made the league. So now you have all these Montreal guys who have the same kind of hope that all the GTA guys had. And it's just it's really awesome to see because even when I go watch tournaments now. Kids are different than they were when when I was their age. I'm like, yo, what the hell? Like, I feel like all the kids are American type of thing. You know that I feel like that. That's almost a good thing. But the one thing that I keep thinking about as as we're talking about this is when is that gonna start to be the case for the Canadian basketball environment? When is it gonna be the case that we don't have to persevere to to be big down in the states and get offers to universities in the states, and that it, it's almost looked at on par with uh, with going to the States and staying in Canada, where you could go to a team like Carleton or Ottawa U or whatever university in Canada, and then that new league, the CEEB, you said? CEBL. CEBL yeah. turns into a big league. Like That's that's one of the things that I keep kind of coming back to in yeah. my mind. It's like, man, like it's so cool that Canadians are blowing up, but what if Canada could blow up? Do you yeah. see that as a possibility, or do you think it's kind of it's not feasible? It's The issue is, like I can't speak on terms of the pro leagues, but like the CIS in general is, it's hard to compete because NCAA is a multi-billion-dollar industry. The CIS is definitely not. No. So it's like, we, we we don't even offer full ride scholarships. Like right then and there, that's the biggest deterrent for a kid who has nothing, family has nothing. Even if like they could go D two, but it's full ride, they'll choose that over having to accumulate debt and put their family in a worse situation. Exactly. And that's kind of the, the issue that it comes with is we don't fund our sports programs the same way. Like, yes, we don't like CIS doesn't make the same amount of money as the NCAA, but we also don't charge nearly as much as the NCAA for school. That's true. So percentage wise, the NCAA still has us, but it's, we're not taking as big a hit as people think it is. So people like even people in school, they're like, well, how are they supposed to pay you full ride? They don't make the same money. The NCAA does like our school doesn't cost the same as the NCAA. Like five years in the CIS costs the same as one year in yeah. the NCAA. So like, then is, is the answer bumping up tuition? Because I feel like that might be uh, a, a sticky situation. No. <laughs> so. I don't, like, it's just tough. It's because like, people also don't pay to see CIS games. Like We don't sell out games, right? Yeah. Like I think out of schools that sell out games, Laurentian sells out their home opener and like big games. Carlton, I think, sells out almost every game unless they're playing the worst team in the league. Mm -hmm. And then other than those two teams, like even Ottawa U doesn't sell out. Like because yeah. students don't want to pay five dollars for a ticket. Like let's be real here. Like it's not like the states where going to the game could be your night out kind of yeah, thing. Exactly. A kid's gonna look at five dollars when they're in school, like, I have five dollars, I could go watch a basketball game, or this is my cover for the night. And especially nice. Ottawa U for prime example, being downtown. That five dollars, that, that cover, cover, that cover goes that's a long way. Drink. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's coat check. Like, yeah. yeah. And it's just stuff like that where, like, I'm, I say like, games should be free for students, but then the school doesn't make that much money, and it's, it's tough, tough balance. Yeah. So we're talking about kind of going from Canada versus the states. So you actually made the jump. Like I said, <laughs> I did my research. Yeah. So you, you made the jump to Connecticut to play at a prep school in yeah. the states. How did that come about? Uh, so I played, there's a, a exposure camp called Caravana Classic okay. uh, in Toronto and playing that every year. It's run by CIA Mounds. Actually, I have a great Wiggins story for you after this. Sure. This is like one of the wildest things ever. But so I played there, played well. I got called from this school, Salisbury School in Connecticut. And then there was also a school in Utah. Okay. So those were the two schools that were talking to me. And when I was talking to the school in Utah, the Utah school is a better basketball school, for sure. The Salisbury school, they were okay at basketball. They were a better school in general mm -hmm. and big academics guy. So that kind of drew me there. But also Utah, I needed to get, I honestly can't remember, I think it's your I-20 to be able to go to, go to school in the States, like your student visa. Oh, okay. And 
they weren't able to get my I-20, my student visa, until January. So if I went to school, I would have either missed the whole first semester of my junior year, and your junior year is your most important year in terms of recruiting, or I would have went technically been illegal there, but I just couldn't have left until I got my I-20. Damn. So those are kind of the, the with the Utah school kind of thing. Yeah. But then Salisbury School, the tuition of my school. So my school is the most expensive prep school in North America. Salisbury. When, yeah. When I went, tuition was $58,000 a year. <sighs> At the year the, after I graduated, Ooh, so my first year of university, 58, tuition. 58000 58000 For? Yeah. God. Because... They had they have the credibility to say a hundred percent of their graduates get into university, so it's prestigious. It's blah blah guess, all that, all that BS. It's just, American schooling is hilarious. I'll just get yeah. that out the way now, especially okay. high school. But um, when I graduated the year after, tuition bumped up to sixty two grand. So I'm waiting. I'm trying to go, and they don't technically offer scholarships. They offer financial aid, mm-hmm. and. They're like, we have no more financial aid in our account. So if you wanted to come, you'd have to pay tuition. I legitimately laughed on the phone and hung up. Of course. And then... 62 or 58,000? 58,000. So then two weeks later... And you would would have been there for one year, right? Two years. Two years. So (laughs) Over 116K, man. That that, that full ride, it's actually going to be 100K now. Yeah. Hope hope you can pay. Like, what? Yeah. What? You know that Russell Westbrook interview where he's like, what? Like, (laughs) damn. So the craziest part about this whole situation is too is like I went back to my high school in Barrie. I went to the first week of school in Barrie, and then they called me back and said, "Oh, we found money. You're good." They basically just tried to leech me for money because like that uh, because the basketball program doesn't handle all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. My coach can only do my coach can only do so much. So yeah. he basically the financial aid officer is like, "Oh yeah, we found we found money. We can give you. Do you still want to come?" I'm like, "Yes." They're like, "How much can we give you?" Like, we can give you. I think it was. I ended up paying a thousand dollars for okay, the year. That's not bad. It was like I, I think it was like them being like petty. They just like they didn't cash. they didn't want they didn't want to give me the full ride, so yeah, they're like here yeah. pay a grand. <laughs> but so I went I went there and yeah that, the jump was crazy to say the least. That's what I I experienced American like way sports type of thing. Better competition, but way better than Barry. But better competition because I wasn't in like the greatest league. It's not like I was playing like quad A like. Or I don't. It's, I played single A, but okay. their jumps are weird. I don't know. Like we beat triple A teams. We okay. should have. Yeah, it was weird situation. But like just things like every meal, all you can eat buffet, all organic, no pesticides, grown on a farm like down the road that our Jeez. school owns. Yeah. So Being good. yeah, I got big. That's like the best shape I've ever been in was while I was in prep school, not in university, because I was, it was all boys school. I was working out. Psst, nine times a week Jeez. and i was just eating like chicken salads for lunch and chicken and rice for dinner and wow. it was all like good food just D's, i was huh? huge i was like 230 wow. I, was, I think 225 is what i got up to and i was like i look kind of good so were you were you a center or a four like what position did you i played play? small forward okay. when i was at school small forward power forward kind of bounced between the two and then i played two games at point guard in my nice. senior year because everyone was injured it's hilarious. My coach is like, Mac, like I loved it. I had two triple doubles. It was <laughs> hey, sick. Yeah. My last two games of my high school career was like 31, 10, and 10, and mm-hmm. then 15, 12, and 10. Nice. I was like, this is sick. I was like, I should play point guard more often. And then I Damn. got to university. I was like, wait a second. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's chill out here. All right. So you went, like you said, you went to university. What was the process like in choosing Ottawa U? Because I'm sure like going to a prep school, you must have had a lot of, a lot of love or or. What what was the what was the recruiting process like? So when I got to prep school, I did what every single Canadian kid that went to prep school did. Canadian schools would reach out. I would say, I'm going D1, and not reply. Told that to Ottawa U coach, like Coach Jimmy. I was like, I'm going D1. I'm not saying in Canada. He's like, Well, just in case, I'm gonna still talk to you. So I was visiting American schools. I visited Brown, yeah, Siena, and. Can't remember the last one. It was some D2 school. But so I visited there. I wanted to go Ivy League. I was being recruited by every Ivy League except for Princeton and UPenn. Uh, had the grades, had the SAT scores, played like trash my first five for five games of my senior year. Mm-hmm. So I went from being maybe their number one on their list to probably number three. 
which means one doesn't commit, two doesn't commit. Oh, then we'll let this kid come. One and two commits all the time. So that ended up happening. And then I texted Jimmy, Coach Jimmy at U Ottawa, and I was like, I want to visit Ottawa. Okay. He's like, all right, perfect. He's like, what happened to D1? I'm like, let's, let's not talk about I'm like, let's not talk about that. <laughs> no rubbing in my face, Jimmy. <laughs> well, <laughs> pretty much. And then, so I, I, I'm getting ready to take a visit there. That's called the flying me out, whatever. As I'm leaving, my passport falls out of my backpack. No. But I don't know this. So I get in, call a cab, cabs, uh, the airport's two hours away from my prep school. Drive the full two hours, get there, going through security, check in. Where's my, call my roommate in prep school. Yo, do you see my passport? He opens the door. He's like, yo, I'm seeing it on the floor in the hallway right now. I'm like, oh my God, no. Like I just paid the cab. I just <laughs> call so, the cab back and I go back. I, I couldn't, I could, I didn't visit. can't fly, I guess. No. Yeah. So I called Jimmy. I was like, yo, Jimmy, like this is the situation. He's like, don't worry. We'll get you out on a visit at some point. I'm like, all right, cool. Hang up. And I'm sitting in religion class like four days later. And I just sent Coach Jimmy a text. I'm like, yeah, I want to come to Ottawa. He's like, what? I'm like, I want to come. I want to play there. He's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. He's like, have you ever even been to Ottawa? No, never. I've never been to this city, and I decided to come to school here. He's like, all right, sweet. What do you want to be in? I mean, he's like, apply. So I applied for political science and marketing. As soon as I submitted my application, I sent him a text. Yo, I applied. He's like, okay, I'll be right back. Ran down to admissions, checked, got me in, full entry scholarship within 10 minutes. I was in accepting my offer to attend school at U Ottawa. Damn, that happened full, quick. Yeah, 10 minutes. So and what? Then, Sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was just like, that's kind of it. I didn't visit any... Con- excuse me, any Canadian schools. I just, I was supposed to visit Ottawa. And yeah. then I was like, screw it, let's go. <laughs> it just felt right, huh? I just felt like, so there was three schools that if I stayed in Canada that I would have went to, Ottawa U, Windsor, and UBC. Mm-hmm. I loved the Windsor coach. I know the Windsor coach since I was like, I think like 11. Like went to his basketball camp growing up. We Is always Windsor had to- Windsor close to Barry. Uh, it's three hours. It's okay. close to Ottawa, but everything is. So yeah, Ottawa's far from everywhere except Quebec. Yeah. Um, but I had a very good relationship with it, with uh, with the coach there. Knew him forever. It was great. I always wanted to go away for school. Like I'm not a homebody. Like I like being out. I like seeing new things. So I wanted to go to UBC. It's literally the farthest possible I can get away from Barry. But then my dad passed away, so I wanted to be close enough where my mom could come see me, mm-hmm. but far enough that I'm still away from home. Yeah. So I was like, Ottawa, five and a half hours from home. It's not a flight. You can drive it, but it's still far enough where I'm distancing myself kind of thing. Yeah. Getting my own space, exploring life myself. So I was like, yep, Ottawa's it. And he's the only one that never stopped talking to me. He's like, you might come back, so I'll keep talking. Damn. Yeah. So what went into the decision to... The four days later, after the, the visit didn't work out, to just kind of be like, you know what, I'm going without the visit. What went into what went into the decision to pull the trigger on Ottawa U? So I was doing my research on the school in general and not really on the school school part of it, more on the basketball program. Yeah. And there's a kid from Barrie that I grew up kind of playing basketball with. Uh, his name's Matt Plunkett. He's two years, two years older than me. Um, He's kind of someone like I played through the Barry Royal system with him. His stepdad coached me and his older brother, kind of same thing. Like his older brother was my first foot locker plug. Like he was the first person to give me the employee discount. <laughs> Gotta have the foot locker I was plug. like, I was like 10 years old, but I, or sorry, 12 years old, just playing basketball. Like just started playing basketball, I think seventh grade or whatever. And then he saw me at a, at a practice cause seventh grade I could dunk. So like that's, it's impressive regardless. Yeah, so course. he saw me and then we just started talking. He's like, six years older than me and he's like yo if you ever need a full locker i got you don't worry you can get the discount i'm like i'm 12 i'm, I'm not buying my own stuff but yeah, thanks yeah but so i saw that i saw them on the roster then that was the year they beat carlton at oua's mm-hmm. and i knew wherever i went i didn't want to go to carlton and not because i don't respect the program don't like the program the coach is terrifying and he's crazy but i didn't want to be on a team that the only way a carlton team gets remembered is if they lose yeah, that's true. Because you, when you win 17 of the last 19 championships, you're expected to win. You're like, oh, Carlton won again. Great. Mm-hmm. If you lose, it's like, oh, my God, that's the Carlton team that lost. Versus every other team, 
if you win, that's the team that dethroned Carlton. So that's that's what went into my decision. In Ottawa, you had just beat the middle UAs. Uh, Ottawa U started their streak of kind of being like they finally got to that dominant level, not Carlton dominant level. No one will ever be there in North American sports ever. But like that, we were always number two in the country. We flirted with number one. And I was like, so the team's good. I know some of the players there. The coach is the only one that acted like he actually wanted me. This feels like a no brainer. So then I kind of just processed that throughout the four days and Talked to my roommate about about it. Actually, my roommate's from was from Montreal at the time. He's a couple years younger than me, and I was like, "Here's our point guard." Actually, and I asked him, "I'm like, what do you think? Like, is Ottawa good?" He's like, "The coach never stopped talking to you, right?" I'm like, "Yeah." He's like, "You were going to visit. This is the only one you were going to visit." I'm like, "Yeah." It's like you already knew your answer before you went. I'm like, "You're right." So then I sent the text. There you go. Yeah. It's good to have a friend like that who kind of. Like he's saying the things you're thinking, yeah. but he's just kind of bringing them to the forefront. You know what I mean? Exactly. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. So you go to Ottawa U. And uh, actually, sorry, before we get to that, I just want to kind of mention uh, that, that whole thing you said about Ottawa U being the one school that stuck by your side in terms of Canadian schools. Um, and, and being a wanted recruit, like like you said, that had a lot to do with your decision to go there. And um, I, I don't know if recruiters are listening to this, but... <laughs> I just wanted to kind of speak to that because I'm in the same boat where when I was recruited to go play football, uh, Acadia was probably the school that reached out to me. I think they were the first school to reach out to me, even before Ottawa U did. And they were the most consistent. They sent me letters in the mail. They were sending all kinds of things. And they made me feel the most wanted. Like you said, Ottawa U made you feel the most wanted. And I eventually went to Acadia. You went to Ottawa U. And just to know, like, it, it... it's the value of feeling wanted by yeah. a school has so much to do with the decision to go there. One hundred percent. Academics are important, athletics are important, but whether or not they want you to be there and you're gonna feel like you're a part of that whole thing, like yeah. that has a lot to do with yeah. eventually picking a school. And the thing is too is it doesn't come down to who talks to you first. Yeah. Like it's like you said, who makes you feel the most wanted? For me it was the consistency. Yes. Like I could tell you every two days I know I was getting a text message from Coach Jimmy. What's up? How you doing? How you, mm-hmm. What have you been working on? This, that, whatever. Every two days without fail. He would always give me one day to like decompress. Yeah. Like I don't want to oversaturate him. But like it was like that consistently. Yeah. consistently. building a relationship. I was like, at that point, I felt like he was already my coach. Like that's exactly. kind of what made it. I was like, I feel, like I'm telling him what I'm working on. He's telling me what I should be working yeah. on. And I'm like, why am I being coached already? This doesn't make sense. <laughs> I don't go to your school. Oh, He's man. like, well, if you do come, you already know what to expect. I'm yeah. like, fair enough. Yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about your time at Ottawa U. So you went there. Of course, like you said, it's away from home. So you probably lived on residence. Yeah. Tell me about your first year at Ottawa U, what that experience was like. Well, you were you had already been away from home at yeah. prep school, but what was it like to be away from home now in Canada at university? Amazing, to say the <laughs> least. So the th- like you said, I'd already been away from home, but I was at, away from home in the at States, boys school at an all-boys school. Mm-hmm. Where in the middle of nowhere, like the town I, the town my school is in, the population was 250 people outside of the school. Jeez. Yeah, so like it's, it's like puny. I watched Haunting in Connecticut like two weeks before I went, thinking I wasn't gonna go, and then I went and I went to the school that's in the woods. I, was, I didn't sleep for like two days. I was like, this is the worst thing ever. Yeah. But I'd already been used to being away from home, so that was already a good thing. Mm-hmm. But now I'm in Canada. I'm legal age to drink because I was 19 when I came into school. Went to res, girls around, I have a team, I have structure, school is school, but it's the first time where school is kind of, it's free, if you don't go to class, you don't go to class, mind you, go to class, and I went to class all the time, Yes. but you have the choice not to, no one's going to call your parents, this, that, whatever. For me though, it was kind of amazing in the sense, since you're on a team, you don't have to find friends. Does that make sense? Of course. You yeah. get there, you already have a core friend group. Mm-hmm. So, like, my first day, I actually I almost got kicked out of res because I had a party in my room. <laughs> and it's frost. First day. It's frost, it's frost week. <laughs> well, first day of, like, everyone being there because okay, we had to get there early to yeah, train because we play the okay. D1 teams during the summer. Mm-hmm. So, just finished D1. Coach gave us, like, three weeks off or two weeks off. And I, everyone just moved into res. So, I'm like, yo, let's have a party in my room. There's like a none of the none of the emergency exits actually alarm. It's if they're only open for a certain amount of time. Yeah. So my teammates are like, you can't sign anyone in. So I let them through one of the emergency exits to mm. come up, run into my room. Yeah. I have my whole basketball team in there, and then everyone just sees the party. So the party got big. 
someone ended up tampering with the camera in the hallway. And I will not speak his name. Okay. But I know who it was. Yeah. I get an email the next day saying, we have to meet with you. There's some destruction of university property. Whatever. Okay. I'm like, okay, whatever. So I go. They're like telling me about this. And I'm like, yeah, I had a party. They said it's a good icebreaker to have a party in your room. Open door. Let people come meet yeah. you. Like, okay. They're like, do you know everyone that's your party? I was like, nah, I don't know everyone. Like, do you know who this is? And they bring up a picture because, like, he was tampering with it. But right before he was tampering with it, he's staring right at it like this. I'm oh looking into one of my God. good friend's eyes. Like, yeah. looking, I'm like, nah, I don't know who that is. <laughs> like, are you sure? I I'm, like, I'm, I'm like, I, I, I don't know. I'm like, uh, can I go now? Was he on the team? <laughs> yeah. The funniest part is... I imagine that the people that brought you in for the interview, they probably looked at the roster and see your name. They see his name. Like, do you know who this is? Like, nah. And then you say no, and they're like... They asked me three times. And I'm like, no, I don't know who it is. They must have known you were pleading the fifth. I left. I left. And then they're all just like, if you see this guy around, if you can let us know, like... You know, he won't get in trouble. We just oh, like to have a talk to him. Classic. I'm like, that's, that's cap. Classic. That's cap. Yeah. I was like, I remember leaving the moment I stepped out. I'm like, yo, <laughs> did you do this? Like, why'd you do this? He's like, yo, I don't even remember this happening. I'm like, yo, they're like, don't let it happen again. Because if yeah, it happens yeah. again, I'm the one gone. Yeah. They're like, oh, my bad, my bad, my bad. I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's funny. But I'll never forget that picture because he's like, it's, he's, it's like he's looking at me because yeah. he's staring at the camera, right? And then they show you that frame. Oh, my that's God. Hilarious. That's hilarious. <laughs> but after that happened and kind of school started rolling, mm-hmm. we started practicing. We played, I did the math. It's like 50 hours of basketball a week. Damn. Yeah. And practices. Do you guys have like meetings too, I'm guessing? We have we would have video, one hour of video, three hour practice, two hours training, one and a half to two hour weight room. Damn. That was like our day. And then Monday through Friday. This is so well before the season actually starts, it's Monday through Saturday, we get Sunday off. Mm-hmm. Then when the season starts, Monday through th- Wednesday is that intensive. Thursday we'll just do video, stretching, practice, then travel then friday saturday games walk through in the morning game at night walk through video game so but yeah it's it's a lot damn it's a lot and ottawa's not close to anything so every road trip is minimum other than kingston is minimum four hours damn yeah true because like toronto would probably be the closest one right other than kingston yeah so did would you say that your experience at prep school helped prepare you for uh, i mean it's called a prep school for a reason did (laughs) it help prepare you for life at ottawa u and uh, university athletics? Oh, most definitely. Because especially my my assistant coach played at St. John's when he was in school. He was a practice player, but went through all the same stuff that they had to go through. So the thing with my prep school, since we weren't like a basketball dominant prep school, we had maybe like five guys on the team who like basketball was their sport. Mm-hmm. And then the roster was filled with guys who played football, guys yeah. who played this, you know, like, like a regular high school. The difference is everyone's a really good athlete. Yeah. So what this guy did is he told the five guys, it's like, you guys want to go D1? One of the guys said he only wanted to go D3. So like my he assistant coach. to go yeah. D3? Yeah. So the assistant coach literally brushed him off. He's like, okay, whatever. Yeah. You four, <laughs> we're going to, when the season, fin- like when the season's going, we practice our normal practice times. And then it was... We would shoot at 8 a.m., just the guys that wanted to go D1, mm-hmm. and that was it during the season. But after the season, it was lift at 6 a.m., then shoot. So lift 6 to 7.30, shoot 8 to 9, and then classes start, go to class, mm-hmm. train again seven, uh, sorry, 5 to 7 because we had study hall 7 to, 7 to 8, and then from 8 to 10 was scrimmage. Damn, so it's a full day. Yeah, So and that was every day. Monday to Friday. Just for you four? Yeah. Wow. And did that, would you say that that's like, was a big factor in your development overall? Uh, I I think, I would say so, yeah. Nothing equates to how much better I got playing basketball at Ottawa. Like, just in, even my first to second year, it's really, first year is really humbling. Second year you start to glow up, third year you start to glow up, then fourth and fifth year are like the best years of your life. That's basically what happened. But if I didn't have those years in prep school, I wouldn't, I pro- I might not have glowed up in my fourth and fifth year kind of thing. Like, I would have been so far behind if I had just stayed in Barrie because Barrie's not like a basketball school, yeah. so basketball place. Yeah, 
And did those other, so of the four of you, did those other three guys, did they end up going D1 or did any of them come back to Canada like you did or what was, uh, that, what was the deal with them? Two went D1, one went D2. Okay. And then, so the two that went D1, one went to Marist and then went to Marist for three years and then stopped playing. And then one guy went to Quinnipiac, which is in Connecticut, okay. for two years and then transferred to Vermont. The thing is, is like a lot of like, it, like university sports is not the way it seems on TV per se. Like everyone thinks like if you're recruited there, you're gonna start in your first year, you're gonna do this, you're gonna average this. Nope. Only select players get that, right? So these guys, Americans are American to say the least, yeah. and they they see everything on TV too. They think, oh, I'm gonna be a big recruit, I'm gonna go wherever, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna play right away. It's hard for people to get the reality check that, like, I'm not going to be playing maybe until my third year, my fourth year. Yeah. For, for then, us, fourth year, fifth yeah. year, like... Up until then, they've been the best player on every team, yeah. right? And then you get to college, and everyone on your team was the best player on their team. Exactly. So Exactly. Yeah. It, was, it was humbling for me, too, because I was getting good playing time in my first year. Like, in, my, in our home opening game, I was first off the bench. I hurt my ankle uh, the week before home opener, but I got, like, the good recruit superstar treatment i didn't practice for a full week but nice. got to be the first off the bench in the game there you go but then you get humbled right i'm playing against fourth and fifth year guys i'm in first year i'm mm -hmm. slightly injured but that's definitely not the reason i didn't perform i was just underdeveloped compared to these guys and after that that's when coach is like okay we threw you in the fire you're you're not ready yet it's perfectly fine to be not ready. Most people aren't ready. Yep. And he's like, we'll develop you over five years, and in your third, fourth, fifth year, that's when you'll get your checks. Yep. And me, I'm very realistic. And I'm like, you're right, and I stayed here. I did never thought about transferring. Mm -hmm. Fifth yeah. year was a good year. Yeah. So what was it like to to kind of have that that full year or even two years where you're kind of developing? Like, Was it, was it hard for you? Or like you said, you're a realist, but... Was it was it at all hard for you to kind of know in the back of your mind like I have my I have my my foresight on third fourth fifth year, but was it hard to go through those first two years as a as kind of like a developmental phase? One hundred percent, because nothing sucks more than busting your ass, practicing, getting better. Then you get say like at, when you're wasn't an end of the bench guy, but not in the rotation kind of thing mm -hmm. you get those spot those minutes spots, like a yeah. two minutes in the first quarter maybe a minute in the second quarter and then you play garbage time at the end when you play well in those times so there was a game i think i played seven minutes and i had like eight points mm -hmm. and like eight points five rebounds in my second year and i'm like yo why am i not playing more like imagine i played 15 minutes in that game 20 minutes in that game yeah Mind you, no game ever works out that way. I probably would have finished the game with eight points and five rebounds, no matter what I, you no matter know. what I played. Yeah, but yeah. like those kind of moments were harder when you could see yourself getting better, you're performing better in practice. But when you're in midseason, your coach can't mess with your lineups that exactly. much because. And on top of that, does he want to? I haven't earned the trust yet. Like I could have been outperforming someone who's in the rotation, but coach has coached that guy for five years now. He knows what he's gonna get from him. I'm still a wild card. My yeah. my recruit teammate the same year, Brandon Robinson, same thing. Wild card. You don't know what you're gonna get. We're young, and those moments were hard. And me and him were me and him, and then one of our other recruits. We all went through the process of like, you know, I hate coach. Da da da. He doesn't <laughs> mess with me. This that whatever. But all that stuff, like, it was more just us like blowing off steam. Because yeah. it's like like we know coach messes with us. He we, we didn't get cut. We're still exactly. on the team. So it's just like, it, but it was just. Every, like every player does it when they're getting not playing a lot. You know, coach doesn't mess with me. Da 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 da. This that. Yo, know, I should do this or he should do this. And then you're like, wait a second, we're the number two team in the country. What he's doing is working. Exactly. So yeah. it sucked, and then you blow off steam, and then you realize, yeah, he knows what he's doing. And that's such an important an important message because when you think about it, the amount of kids today that are probably in that exact same situation, whether it's youth sports, university sports, whatever level of sports it is, not everyone starts. Yeah. No, doesn't matter what team you're on. There's no team where there's the exact amount of players that start and that's it. Like there's guys on the bench, there's rotational guys, and there's guys that don't see the field. Yeah. But like you said, like it's so important to have that foresight of 
it's nothing personal. It's not that your coach doesn't like you. I can't speak for everyone. That yeah. Maybe your coach does hate you yeah. if, you're a, if you're a piece of shit. Yeah. But <laughs> you are not that. <laughs> exactly. But like you said, there's so many cases where you just might not be ready. You have to kind of take that back seat for a little bit, learn, grow, and get into that role. And don't quit. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you said, you didn't transfer. You didn't give up. You stayed with it. And then let's talk about the glow up. So did it start <laughs> in third year? Uh, third year was Third year was good. So my third year was a couple guys, fifth year that kind of, it was the weird process where I was like, damn, I'm in third year already. And I'm like, holy shit, you guys are in fifth year. What yeah. the hell's going on? So that was, <laughs> that was Caleb and this guy, Matt Plunkett kind of their year. So going through that was definitely the, the weird one. And as a third year, I played the position as the two fifth years. I was a three, four at the time. Okay. So they're playing 30 some minutes a game. I get their fill-in minutes. Mm-hmm. But what the glow-up started was kind of just now when I was getting thrown in into those spot minutes or the garbage time at the time, but the spot minutes were a little longer, was <laughs> I wasn't messing up. There you go. I was, I was scoring. I'd get a bucket here and there consistently. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like I would play seven minutes, score eight points, and then not score for the next ten games. Like it was every game I'd give you four points, five rebounds, five mm-hmm. rebounds, uh, it's called five points, three rebounds. Like it was always kind of in that range. All of a sudden, that builds your trust with your coach. He knows if I put Mac in, he's gonna get a cut. He's gonna make a layup. He's gonna mm-hmm. get me a bunch of rebounds, and he may hit. And he might hit a three. Yeah, builds that trust. And then fourth year, we had some transfers, and same thing. I'm not playing thirty something minutes a game, but I'm playing. I'm eighteen minutes a game, twenty minutes a game. Now my averages are kind of more consistent at like the six point six rebounds, eight point six rebounds kind of thing. But now you're playing meaningful minutes. Exactly. You're not playing spot minutes. You're not playing garbage time. I'm playing, we're down two with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. And you need that bucket. Yeah. You need that board. Yeah. yeah. So I'm playing in those minutes. And then fifth year was just fifth year. I changed positions in fifth year. I went from playing, I got recruited to play small forward. In my okay. fifth year, I finished playing center. Okay. I played like the Draymond Green role. Okay. And then I averaged 10.6 boards. So, uh, made the second most threes on the team, second highest three-point percentage, led the team in blocks, re- uh, maybe rebounds or tied for rebounds. So fifth year was like the most serious glow up. Damn. And that was that was a fun year. Played like 32 minutes a game. Okay. So so what, what, when you got into that fifth year, what was the moment? Was there a specific moment in like a specific game, maybe first or second game, where like you hit a shot or you something happened where you're like, all right, like this is it. Like I, I've, this is I've arrived, or, or however you want to say. It. Was there a moment like that in your fifth year? It was our first preseason turn. So preseason, we always play D one teams, mm-hmm. play the D one teams. But th- and this year in particular, we normally beat most of the D one teams we play. This year, we did a lot of player development during those games, so we lost a lot of them. But the minutes were spread out, not in a winning manner yeah. per se. Like guys that would never touch the floor were playing ten minutes. Kind of thing. So those games were, I call those, I did those as a write-off. We scrimmaged two uh, CJEP teams, Braybuff and Momo. Okay. Played them. We beat them by like 60. So, again, more write-off games. But our first real CIS test was Bishops. Played Bishops at a tournament. I was coming off the bench and because I coach hadn't decided if he wanted to play me at center yet. We had a, a center who was 6'8", so he started before me. He's like, at two minutes, you're subbing in every game. Don't even ask. Like, just walk up to the table. So I subbed in, pick and pop, first shot of the game, in and out. But it felt really good. Yeah. And I was like, it's been a while since I've had a shot that just, I was like, the moment it left my hand, I was like, that's going in. Yeah. Didn't. But then after that, I hit two threes. One of them was like eight feet behind the line. Okay. And like, now I'm in a rhythm and yeah. I start talking cash. And then <laughs> I ended up finishing the game with like, it was like 12 points, second leading score, 12 points on five shots. 12 and 6, and then next game we play UBC, same thing. I have 12 points, 8 rebounds or something like that, and I'm talking a lot of shit because <laughs> when I play basketball, I like to talk a lot of shit. There you go. And then we played Dow, and Dow we ended up losing two by one, but I ended up finishing the game with, I think it was 16 points, and I'm hitting clutch shots, and yeah. like it's been a while. Like I felt like I was how I was in high school kind of thing. Yes. And I'm playing a new position, like I was playing center, and... 
it just everything just kind of it just felt like everything was clicking yeah. and then that's when I like I became like our defensive anchor like I'm not a big shot blocker team didn't really have any like I'm athletic I can jump but mm-hmm. I'd rather take a charge than get a potential foul yeah that's just me I want to stay on the floor yeah so but I was I'm very vocal like I talk a lot I mm-hmm. talk a lot of shit I also talked through my defenses yeah. a lot and I kind of became that defensive anchor for the team and I kind of gave my I kind of forced coach actually into a position where he needed to have me starting because I did so much on the defensive end like scoring was scoring whatever everyone could put the ball in the basket at this kind of time yeah. but it was more I was doing that and I led our defense yeah. and it's putting coach in a position where he had no choice but to play me yeah. and then I went from the beginning of the year beginning of the year I was playing 28 minutes a game but the last like seven games of the season, I think I played thirty six out of the forty minutes. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. And that's uh, one of the things. Like, it, it's so cool that you just said that because literally, word for word, I've told players that I've coached, and I've been told by coaches that same thing. Where it's like, put me in a position, like if as the coach talking, put me in a position where I have to put you in. Yeah. If I don't put you in, I'm at a disadvantage. Yeah. And like you said, you you were able to do that. By not only putting the ball in the net, like you said, but also being a defensive presence. And that's another thing is versatility, right? Yeah. The more you can do, the more likely your coach is going to want to use you because not only can you put the ball in the hoop, but you're also going to go and not only shut down, block shots, but you're going to set up your teammates yeah. in the right positions to have good team defense. So yeah. that's really important. Yeah. And that was the thing, too. Like, our team didn't our team didn't have a shot blocker in my fifth year. Like, I led the team in blocks. But I maybe averaged like 0.3 blocks a game throughout okay. the year, 0.5 blocks a game. Because it was like, like I would get the type of blocks where I'm standing straight up expecting to take a charge, and then the guy just kind of puts it in my hand, and it's kind of oh, okay, okay. like, I, I got those kind of blocks. Yeah. A couple blocks in the post were more timing-based, but it's never like the type of block where like LeBron, where you're like, like this them. man, this man's head's at the rim when he's blocking it. Like yeah. me, it was all timing. Like I yeah. could jump this high off the ground and get the same block that I was yeah. getting. So, Damn. All right, so what would you say... Overall, so we've we've gone kind of through your whole university trajectory. What would you say was your biggest takeaway from your time at Ottawa U and from basketball in general? Things that you could take from from basketball days to real life in general. Uh, the biggest thing that I took that I still have like and use from basketball was the desire to be the best I could be at the sport. Is now how I am in legitimately everything like. I don't half-ass anything I do. Like, I'm in it 100%. Like, mm-hmm. people ask me, like, even in job interviews, when they ask me, like, what's something about you? Like, what will draw us to you? I'm like, if I work for you, you're getting someone that's going to bust his ass 100% of the time because I just want to be the best at my job. Like, I could be flipping burgers. I want to flip the burgers the best. doesn't matter what it is. Like, I'm just I, – I need to be the best. I need to know everything. Like, this consulting job, I need to know every aspect of the consulting job so I, like – like the kind of thing where it's you got to make yourself versatile, you got to make yourself this, you got to do that. I don't ever want to be on the bench as a consultant because then I'm not making the good money. Exactly. So now I'm like, I want to know every aspect of the company. So, yep. oh hey, Matt can do data analysis. Let's let him go do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, Matt can do marketing. Let's let him go do that. Oh, Matt can do change management. It's like, damn, wait a second, Matt just did three different things. Well, in basketball, I played small forward, power forward, center. I played three different positions. Like. Kind of that whole and same thing. Guard, like you and said. point guard, like you said. And point guard. That's high school, so. That yeah, okay, was, fair enough. That's cap. <laughs> but that's kind of like, like I said, like the desire to be the best. It's just the thing. And I feel like that's something a lot of athletes have. A lot of athletes don't like half-assing anything, which is why half athletes are good companies. Athletes, even if they don't have work experience from school, they're good hires. Because we will bust our ass for your company. That's very true. It's kind of like very that true. thing is like realizing that is... Yeah, like we're we're all competitive. We all just want to do the best, just because we want the recognition that comes with it. We exactly. want the reward. Like mm-hmm. when you play sports, the reward's a championship. When you get to the workplace, reward could be a bonus. Reward could be a promotion. All that feels just as good as a damn championship. Exactly. Like you get a promotion, you feel pretty good. That's you're celebrating. That's a work championship. You're celebrating the same way if you won the chip. Fact. <laughs> so Fact. it's like that kind of it goes hand in hand for me. So nice. Another thing I wanted to bring up, uh, we kind of left it behind. So in 2016, uh, you guys were able to beat Carlton in the uh, Canada Hoop or the Can Hoops Classic. What was that like? And, and just talk to me a little bit about the rivalry between Ottawa <laughs> and Carlton uh, in that in that instance. That game was the craziest game ever. So I got to start that game. Yeah. I was second year. Okay. I got to start that game because Caleb was injured, and I remember it's the greatest thing. We have our highlights playing in the school. 
and then we had like Mike Lafferkane had this many points, so and so had this many points. It goes down the top three scorers, and then my name's on there. I'm like, I only had four points. Why am I up there? It's like Mackenzie Morrison, eight rebounds. So yeah, like, I watched that today. Let's get it. I can't lie, I watched that today. Yeah, but that game was crazy. So the rivalry is the rivalry. Like we're always one and two or one and three with Carlton always being one. But like where we have the most regular season and regular season wins against Carlton. So if there's a team that's going to beat Carlton, it's generally us or Ryerson. Yeah. And then so the rivalry's always there. The rivalry's honestly died down a little bit more. Not in the sense like on the court it's still competitive. But before it'd be like guys would see each other in the streets, like out downtown, and they couldn't even like talk to each other. Like they would like hate like each other. Yeah, like they like okay. like fights would almost start over it. Damn. Yeah. Now it's more stays on the court. Cause a lot of the guys, like we're younger, like in my third year, like I was friends with guys on the Carlton team. Like we became boys, we're all close. But on the court is a whole different story. But that time was still everyone was trying to fight people. And yeah. I remember Mike, that was the game where we said Mike won player of the year. Mike won player of the year after that game because he just controlled the game. And I remember we won the game. Crowd rushed the floor. And, like, trying to sit there, you know, you know, you win a big game. You're supposed to act like you've been there before, yeah. right? Yeah. So we're rushing. They're all rushing to court. And I'm like, all, all of us are all calm and cool and collected. And then they're all getting hype. And then I remember looking at um, my friend Brandon, like the recruit, same year as me. We looked at each other. We're like, wait a second. Why are we acting like we've been here before? We've never been here before. <laughs> and then we started wilding out. And oh, then I remember, crazy. Like, I remember that game also probably fueled the Carlton Ottawa rivalry more because since we were wilding out, we didn't even end up shaking hands. Ooh. So like they were just standing. I will never forget this because I was getting hype and I peeked over and they're all just standing there like this. Just waiting. Just waiting. And then no one came over to shake hands. So they can't really blame me though because of the fact that everyone rushed the court. One hundred percent. What were you guys gonna do? Like, oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Make a single file line. Like, one hundred percent. But that's not what they're thinking at the no, time, they're right? They're just thinking, oh, these assholes. They don't Liter- want to shake literally, and like their coach is definitely sitting, like, watch this, watch them do this to you because you guys lost this game, type of thing. Damn. And I just remember that game was crazy though. I remember I, I scored two buckets in that game. I remember I was so nervous getting the second bucket. Like, I, I got that cut. It was a wide-open layup. And I remember I was, like, in my head, I'm like, yo, please don't miss this. There's 11,000 people here, and yeah. this is a wide-open layup. Made it, and then I wanted to get hype because, like, we were up. But I was like, wait, I can't get hype. I was, like, looking around, like, acting like I'm playing defense. Yeah. <laughs> that game was – oh, that game oh, was crazy, man. man. I'll ne- Yeah, that's a memory that will never leave my head because, I, like, I remember – like, I remember, like, some of the people that were dapping me up while they rushed the court. I don't know their names because I didn't actually know who they, they were. But, like, I've it. seen them around before. Yes. I've seen them at games. And then they rushed the court. They're jumping with us, getting hype. Mm-hmm. I remember one of my my friend Brandon got fouled. and He was at the free throw line. And we were up. And this were, like, free throws to, like, um, ice the game. Not even ice the game. Like, they were fouling because they just need to get the ball back, like, to stop the time. Okay. My friend's a terrible free throw shooter, so I remember he, like, bricked both the free throws, and then after the game, I was roasting him about it, and he's like, yo, why am I on the court to shoot clutch free throws in my second year? Yeah, <laughs> and then facts, we were just, facts, like, facts. making jokes about it, and, Man. yeah, that was that was a fun night afterwards, too. Yeah, I bet. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> Beat the Ottawa team, like, that must have went crazy yeah. that night. Damn. That game was wild. Man. So, it sounds like you had a, a hell of a career at Ottawa U, and a hell of a career overall in basketball. And I'm sure that basketball is a, a huge passion yours even to this day. So one of the things I wanted to ask is now that your playing days, uh, or I guess competitive playing yeah. days, are, they are, are they done or yeah. are you still playing? Nah, just men's league. Okay. Men's so league All-American. There you go. So how do you, other than the men's league, is there other ways that you stay involved in the sport and, uh, and ways to kind of keep connected with the sport of basketball that you love? Uh, so... For right now, I told myself my first year after I want to take a complete 100% break, like one year of just like nothing basketball-wise serious, mm-hmm. like men's league's men's league. I didn't even join the U Ottawa alumni men's league team. Like I joined, it's I made more my, serious? it's more serious and like it's guys like I would have went to that team and played basketball the same way I played at U Ottawa versus kind of being able to mess around, have a little yeah. flavor in my game type of thing. Yep. So I made my own team and did that and like I have a blast doing that. And I tried, like, I, I tried to get away from the scene, but, like, I DJ the U Ottawa basketball games now. And then, like, I'll sit in on coaches' meetings and meet with the coaches after games. And, like, Coach Jimmy will listen to my piece and actually implement my piece into rotation. So that's kind of cool. So 
help out every now and then, but I do this year specifically, I tried to distance myself from it as much as possible. Not because I, not because I don't miss it. Like I miss it or not because I don't want to be involved, but it's been my life since the fifth grade. Right. Yeah. It's very refreshing to have it not be my life and really embrace the not being exactly. part of my life. There's thing. so much other things. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. now I'm working and like, if I want to take a weekend trip to Montreal, like I could just be like, wow, let's go to Montreal. Uh, let's do this. Like all those things I couldn't do before. Like now I can. Cause you used to have games and, and you have to travel out games, on the weekends. Practice. Now, It'd be like, say I want to do wine Wednesday at Moxie's. I'm going to do wine Wednesday on, on Wednesday, but then I have practiced Thursday morning. Like, doesn't work. Did that once and I never wanted to do it again. Exactly. So, and it's like all those things, like I'm embracing not being around. By next year, I'll probably, I'm a little more established. I'm more established in my career. Mm-hmm. By then, I'll be like, okay, let's, maybe I'll assistant coach at the team or like help out with the team two, three times a week. I know I want to get into that, but I never saw myself as being a head coach of anything. Okay. Kids annoy me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's definitely cool, man. Like, Coaching, what I would say as someone who's coached for the past, I think, five, almost six years, like, it's it's definitely rewarding. And one of the best things I find about coaching is, let's say you went back and you're coaching at Ottawa U or whatever team you decided to help out coaching with. When you're able to take a player and you show them something that you used to use to be successful or that you know someone else used to be successful, then you see them kind of implement that into their own game, use it to create their own success, to me, yeah. that that's what kind of makes coaching. Yeah. It's it's unmatched to anything else really in sports, in my opinion. Like being able to watch someone else be successful with what made you successful. Now that you can't do it anymore or aren't doing it anymore, yeah. it's uh, it's definitely a rewarding thing. And coaching, I I, I suggest you do it. I'll I say will that. say I I like training kids. Yeah. So I like like one on one or one on three like mm-hmm. small groups training where yep. it's only skill based. But when I have to make a kid listen or, like, I have to discipline a kid because, yeah. the, like, that's when I get annoyed because I'm, like, when I, at least when I was a kid growing up, like, I, like, for me, it was, I always listen to my coach no matter what. Like, coach knows what's best. Mm-hmm. I feel like kids nowadays because a lot of kids like to even talk back to their parents. Like, they're going to talk back to their parents. Sure as hell gonna talk back sure to you. Sure as hell going to yeah. talk back to me. Yeah. So I was, like, I can... I can off that for a bit. I'll yeah. co- I would coach a university, like assistant coach at university and stuff like that. But kids that are at the age where they will talk back, like maybe senior high school I could do, hopefully, because I feel like the kids are mature by that point. But yeah. I'm and I'm I'm good at training kids like one on one because kids listen when they're one on one because there's no one to impress, right? Exactly. So yeah. I can do that. Fool, yeah. yeah, I can do that. I did do that. I enjoy doing that. That's nice. fun. But like I like I even coach like basketball camps and kids just get on my nerves. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Before we ended up, I just wanted to ask if there was anything else you wanted to add about your career and your journey in basketball, uh, and also just let the people know where they could find you on social media <laughs> and stuff like that. All right. Well, my socials are at MacMorrison7 on Instagram. Uh, that's the only thing I really care about. Don't have Twitter, so just follow me on Instagram, and that's about it. Uh, just one story. This is the Wigan story yes, I mentioned yes, yes, earlier. Yes, yes, yes. So Carabana Classic, it's this big exposure camp. There's like 120 D1 schools there. And every school was watching Wiggins, but he had already gotten his offer. So Wiggins was, he was on my team for this camp. But he's like, coach called the huddle and then Wiggins goes, yo, I'm not really going to try because I already have all my offers. I want you guys to be able to blow up so you can get your offers. He's really cool about it. So he's like, just kind of chilled, like shot, sat in the corner and shot threes. But we had 100, 110 out of the 120 coaches watching our games. Fast. So we're all turning up, That's getting cool. hype. Yeah, he was, it was amazing. And then the coaches kind of started to realize that Wiggins wasn't really trying. So then they started to like go watch other games. Oh. So our coach called a timeout. And then our coach goes, Wiggins, can you do something cool so the coaches come back? Wiggins like, okay, I got you. Gets a steal, fast break, 360 behind the back duck. Jeez. You know, the one that he's, like, famous for through all, on all his videos does that one. All the coaches came back. Jeez. So now there's, like, because of that and, like, because of how he was, like, whenever the coaches started to walk away, he would just, like, do, something, do something crazy, crazy so they'd yeah. come back. So I have a picture, actually. It's, like, I think it's actually, like, my second picture on Instagram where I, I just caught a lob from my boy, throw it off the glass. And in the picture, there's Coach uh, Calipari, like okay. Kentucky coach, staring, watching me do it like this. And oh, I'm that's like, so cool. It's the dopest picture ever. That is so cool. The only thing that killed it is there's a coach from the University of Houston, I think. 
And he was yawning during the picture. Oh. So, like, Coach Cal's like this, like, looks like he's amazed that I'm going to tell kids, like, hey, to this day. that's the difference between Utah and, yeah. and Coach Calipari. Like, like, Cal's like this. They're yawning while this guy's Coach like Calipari's watching. I was like, yo, man, like... You mess my out, picture though. up. You can, you can edit him out. Put a little blur, a little, little blur. face on his face. I just remember, like, I saw that picture and I got like stupid hype, and then I saw the guy yawning, and I was so cheesed. It's like, yo, what are you? Like? Come on, man. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's the craziest Wigan story. And then actually, one more good story. Sure. I played against Tyus Jones, so he plays okay. on. He went to Duke. Mm-hmm. Plays. I think he's on Minnesota. No, he's on Memphis now. Okay. And so, to this day, when people ask me who's the best player you ever played against, I tell people Tyus Jones, because we played his AAU team, and he ended up finishing the game with 32 points, 11 assists, but he went 10 for 10, uh, 11 for 11 from the field, 10 for 10 from the free throw line, and hit the game winner in overtime. So he didn't miss. He didn't miss, and he won the game off a game winner. How do you go a whole game and not miss and get 11 assists? In overtime, too. Like, the game was extended. He... F'd us up, to say the Damn, least. that's crazy. Yeah. That was, so, to this day, I tell people he's the best player I've played against. And, like, I've played against Jabari Parker, Jalil Okafor, Wiggins, Jamal Murray I've played with. I'm trying to think if there's any other crazy names. Stauskas. Yeah, that's about it. All the Canadian guys I've played with that got drafted and from, is from the Bennett team. on. Yeah, the, yeah, but, yeah, Tyus is best person I've played against, like, personally. And yeah. Donovan Mitchell, actually. Donovan Mitchell. Crazy Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell. Yeah, so in my prep school, before he went to Brewster, which is, like, big powerhouse, mm-hmm. he went to this, like, awful prep school. It's called Canterbury. Same league as my league. And I remember he was a sophomore, and I would have been a junior. Mm-hmm. And Coach calls the time call the we're doing our pregame they're not that good we ended up winning by like 35 okay look coach pulls me aside he's like here you're gonna have to guard this kid i'm like okay what's the deal with him he's like he's very good that's all he could say because he wasn't ranked at this point coach is just like yo he's very good so i see this kid at the time he's probably 5 10 185 like solid still yeah. at least size 16 shoes like feet are huge at Five ten. feet are huge fam <laughs> Clown feet. So I'm That's like, hilarious. but I'm like, yo, it's the school's kind of like they suck. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yo, like he can't be that good. So I'm guarding him. The man gave me forty and like forty, 40 in every type of bucket you can think of. Jeez. Sorry, he gave me thirty eight. He gave okay. my friend two. Okay, <laughs> but every bucket you can think of, like he wasn't just a dunker. He wasn't just a shooter. Like the man's hitting me with like combos and step Jeez. back threes. I'm like, yo, this person should be in the league. What the hell's so going on? Nice. And now he is. And then, but that was the thing, right? So then next year, like I remember going through that summer and I was training and I always like would go back to that game. Like, yo, why does that kid go to Canterbury? Mm-hmm. So then like you now it's on the news, Donovan Mitchell now transferring to Brewster. And then I do the research and after like that past season, he got ranked the number two shooting guard in the country. I was like, okay, I don't feel as bad anymore. So I just needed to change the season. Yeah. yeah. And, and now then, that you see him in the league, you, yeah. you definitely shouldn't feel oh, yeah. bad at all. Not, yeah. I do not feel bad. Now yeah. I tell that story with pride. Exactly. <laughs> like, I held him Facts. to 38. My boy got this, the last two to give him 40. <laughs> yeah. And the fact that you didn't give him the 40, that's a yeah. big thing, too. Yeah, I know. Right, he fucked this up, though. <laughs> yeah. Anything else you want to add? No, nah, that's all I got, man. All right, man. Yo, this was a great conversation. Yo, thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Finally course, got my bro. feature. Yes, sir. We've been trying to do this for a while. Yeah. Facts, facts. Uh, so, man, just need to give me a feature, you know? I was just trying to be a part of the podcast. I'm part glad of the I movement. Get you on, so, from the Triple S Podcast, I'm Brandon Smith with Mac Morrison. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll see you again soon. Yeah. This be a life, no gimmick.